When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, Gabby here, and I'm Bruna, and welcome back to the Mystery of Everything podcast. So this week, we're going to do a special episode on unidentified submersible objects. Submerged I am objects. so excited. Everybody talks about UFOs, and I found out about USOs for the first time like a few weeks ago, and I was like, yes, we're going to write about this. With all of the talk recently about UFOs and the entire congressional hearing, which have you heard anything else about that? Like I saw the initial stuff about the congressional hearing, but I didn't hear anything followed up. No, nothing. Not a. So we still don't know anything. We might. I just haven't heard about it. (laughs) (laughs) Great. So anyway, if you haven't heard about this congressional hearing, there's a whistleblower that's claiming that the United States has been reverse engineering alien technology. And they even have the remains of non-human biologics, which is super unspecific. It's super vague. Yeah, I've seen an article about it and I don't understand. I feel like it could be a cat. Technically a dog or cat. Those were sent into space. What if they crash back down, right? Oh, monkeys. Yeah, it could be. Those those are non-human biologics. (laughs) They're biological, but non-human. So I keep thinking about this. Could be anything. Could be a tardigrade. It could be literally anything. So, But they didn't specify. And that's why I'm super skeptical about the entire thing because i feel like they're trying to distract us from something but that's neither here nor there i think they're always trying to distract <laughs> they're always trying to distract us from something like the economy student loans the price of gas the price of milk is milk expensive on. yeah i don't drink it so that's why i'm asking <laughs> milk is expensive back okay. in my day i'm Was just kidding cheap? I'm not that old, but yeah, it was cheaper. <laughs> but anyway, I think this is a very topical episode. And everyone talks about UFOs. But how many of you spend time looking into USOs or unidentified submerged objects? Well, if you haven't done that, or if you have, this is the podcast for you. You know, I'd never even thought about that, like the alternative. Yeah, but I didn't either. The ocean is... I mean, it's so big and we don't explore any of it. Why? Why don't we explore all of it? Actually, oh, oh, we'll get into that. (laughs) We'll get into that later on. No spoilers. But anyway, a few days ago, I watched a TikTok on a vessel that was searching for unidentified submersible objects on the ocean floor. And of course, when you see a TikTok like that, it leads you down a rabbit hole of chaos that ended in USOs. So hang tight and let's dive into this. I see what you did there. (laughs) I was so proud of myself. Okay, so first off the bat, what qualifies as a USO? We know it stands for unidentified submerged object, but the ocean is huge and has a ton of unknown objects. So how do we classify them? Well, the thing is, we classify any unknown object in the ocean as an unidentified submerged object. It can be 
literally anything. It can be a dead whale, but we don't know it's a whale. That is an unidentified submerged object. So according to Nigel Watson, the author of the UFO Investigations Manual, in the last 100 years, there has been a steady transition from seeing apparently terrestrial, biological, sea or lake monsters to seeing unidentified submarines or extraterrestrial aliens and their craft. Often what in the past were regarded as the red eyes of a water monster are now interpreted as the red lights of an unidentified submerged object. And what he's referring to is you remember back in the day where they would see sea monsters. Yeah. Where they were essentially just undiscovered sea creatures typically. Yeah, like Nessie. Well, now we've, we, we haven't identified most of the creatures in the ocean, but the ones that you can see mo- like more often, we've identified, right? Well, I bet there's so much more down there. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to go find out, though. Um, we saw what happened with the Titan. Oh, I was just thinking about that the other day. I seen an article. I'm sorry. That we're trailing off here just for a second. But a company, I believe they are called Deep, just D-E-E-P Laboratories, thinks that by 2027, they'll be able to live underwater. And they're going to test it out and have scientists live underwater in these little pods. Super cool. For a second, I was like, oh, I might be qualified to do that. And then I thought, also, you might die. So that's still a toss up. I think it is so cool. But sorry. <laughs> I really wanted to do this marine biology PhD program that requires you to live on a submarine for a few months. But then I was like, oh, I got a kid. So maybe I shouldn't do that. But I really wanted to do it because I love the ocean. Claustrophobia, though, kind of. I don't know. See, like the image that it had of the people living in the little bunkers underwater in the year 2027, it didn't look that tightly compact. But when I picture like a submarine, I'm thinking of the people that just went under and did not submerge. For one, being with other people in a tight space that long, I don't like people. So that would be miserable. That's valid. And I I feel like I could almost do it if I was by myself. Research submarines are really big, though. Like that's the th- well, they're not like massive, but they're not like not the Titan. like the Titan. The Titan was an outlier. Typically, submarines aren't that compact. Have you they seen, couldn't even straighten out their legs. Have you seen thing. like U boats or any like underwater battle? You know, yes. submarines. Yeah, they're much bigger typically. Okay, so you know, I think they just really went cheap on that submersible. It wasn't even technically a submarine; it was a submersible. The thought of living underwater in like a a little town or something, that sounds super cool. It's something I do. I think I do it. I feel like I'm not claustrophobic unless I'm underground. If I'm underground, then I'm like, I cannot breathe. It might cave in. But if I'm underwater or I'm in like a small enclosed building, it doesn't really bother me. It's something about the dirt. Dirt scares me. Being buried alive. But water doesn't bother you? Water doesn't bother me. I don't know why. That's like with scuba diving. Uh, whenever I'm on top of the water floating, a few minutes before I'm about to go down, I freak out. And then the second I go down a few feet, I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. And I'm so distracted that I forget that I'm even breathing underwater. I need to learn how to scuba dive. But oh, it is so much fun. Anyway, he My goes bad. on to say, no, you're <laughs> fine. All of those tangents are what make podcasts interesting to me, at least. I don't know about the listeners. You guys let me know. So. He goes on to say that there are many sightings of UFOs flying into and out of our ocean, which suggests that these craft have seawater, secret underwater bases that they use to operate from. 
Concentrations of such sightings indicate bases in the North Sea, Black Sea, and off the coast of California and Puerto Rico. Now, this is a very, very drastic claim based on the information that we currently have and can prove, which, mind you, is not a ton. There are a few interesting sightings of unidentified objects over the oceans, and over the years, there have been multiple claims of unidentified objects flying next to Navy boats. History Channel UFO Hunters actually did an episode on unidentified flying objects and submerged objects. And that is genuinely where a lot of the information online comes from. Because when I went looking for unidentified submerged objects, when I went looking for, you know, anything about secret underwater bases, every single thing linked back to the information presented in this episode. And I think it's really interesting to look at because when we see conspiracies and we see all of these wild theories, they typically link back to one specific source. And there were sources speaking about this before they did that episode, but whatever they compiled in the episode really gave these people more fodder, I guess, to use to back this theory. So let's just jump into this episode. We can look at what they looked at. We can see what they explored. And then we can go from there. <laughs> I'm ready. I am pumped. Anyway, in this episode, they discuss AUTAC. And AUTAC is the Atlantic Undersea Test and Evaluation Center, which they refer to as the Navy's Area 51. The facility that they discussed was located in the Bahamas near the Bermuda Triangle. Although there is another location in Florida, like off of the, there's multiple like AUTAC bases. Now, I grabbed this mission statement right from the Naval Sea Systems website, and they said AUTAC provides instrumented operational areas in a real world environment to satisfy research, development, test, and evaluation requirements and operational performance assessment of warfighter readiness in support of the full spectrum of maritime warfare. Basically, they're testing military weapons in the ocean. They even have a setup to conduct undersea war games. Also, hang on to this tidbit and do with it what you will, but they offer public tours. What? They do say they offer public tours. And I went to their website and you can request a public tour and you'll see later in this episode. They actually, UFO hunters, they try to get onto the base, but everyone was ignoring them and they would not let them onto Aww. the base. Why? I think maybe they wouldn't want filming on a military base. For obvious reasons. I'm so curious now. I wonder if they'll let us do it. We can look into it. That could be a fun bonus episode one day. Yeah, that's worth a goog for sure. <laughs> so they had former employees tell their stories of seeing unidentified submerged objects. The first story we had in that episode is a man by the name of Kurt Rowlett. And he told us that they had a radar indicator pop up in front of their ship that was a landmass. However, no landmass existed in that particular area. He described it as a gigantic, unidentified, submerged object coming out of the water that extended for three miles. What? Some perspective is that the landmass was wider than the island of Manhattan, which is 2.3 miles wide. The employee also said that the compasses started moving out of control just as they can see this landmass appear on their radar. The landmass stayed detected for about three minutes, and then it started to disappear from the radar screen right around when the compass started performing properly again. This employee said that he suspected that the radar detected a USO coming up and then descending again, as that's the only way the radar would have detected it. So something had to move in order for it to be detected. And it had to be magnetic because the compass. The History Channel professional said that it may have been caused by a simple radar malfunction, though. So one of the guys, there, there's like three guys, and one of their like, Hosts essentially is the sh like 
one who makes all the claims in favor of aliens. And then there's the other guy who's like, well, there might be a logical explanation. So That's the, me and you. Exactly. <laughs> and we just switch off on which one is going to be that day, I think, which is great. But the guy who gives the logical explanations, he says radar malfunctions. Then how does malfunction. Uh, uh, what are the chances that the radar malfunctioned the same time that the compasses went all swirly? I don't buy it. That's a great question. But you'll see there's a lot more weird coincidences or occurrences. Whatever you want to call it. It's the only possibility. <laughs> there's no scientific explanation. Case closed. Aliens. It's always aliens. Oh, are something we, wait, are funny. we like ancient aliens? We're like the history town <laughs> right now. <laughs> only explanation. Aliens. So this is super funny. Um, the other day I was standing outside and I seen this string of lights go by. And I was like, am I crazy? My friend Morgan and Chris were with me. We were all shaking each other like, oh, my God, what is that? String of lights. And, of course, I thought the only explanation is aliens. Wrong. The only explanation is Elon Musk. It was his satellite Starlink going through the sky. I thought for sure it was aliens. And then I seen it shared all over the Facebook I feel like alien, if aliens were going to do a drive-by, they would turn all their lights off. They'd like coast past. They'd be like, I am not letting them know we're fucking here. My dad seen aliens one time when he was in a field. It was acres wide and it was see-through, but you could see the outline of it. Like the little spaceship, whatever you want to call it, was square. And you could tell they were trying to be camouflaged and trying to be see-through. You could see that it was something was askew and it wasn't quite matching the background. Take from that what you will. Where was he? He was just on the farm. He wasn't high. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, that very credible story. That's a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Not the spaceship. The spaceship is not a joke. He really did see that. But me implying he was on the devil's lettuce. That is a joke. Dad's on the straight and narrow. <laughs> well, thank you <laughs> for your alien. And trailed setting. off again. And listeners, if you guys have stories about times you think you saw an alien, make sure to email us. The email is in our description of the podcast and let us know those stories. Maybe we'll use them I in a hear future all, episode. Especially if it's underwater. I love I, I love hearing other people's stories and how other people interpret situations and Man, weird the situations. The ocean is so spooky, though. Like, you see those pictures, the AI pictures of, I don't know, someone's kayaking across the ocean and then there's this huge-ass whale, shark, mouth, squid under them about to just take them over. That is my fears. Well, boy, at the end of this episode, do I have a treat for you. No. <laughs> anyway, another employee of Autech by the name of David Malcolm had a similar experience as he was out collecting torpedoes to bring them back to the base. He base his entire job basically was to just go out, collect all of their test tor- torpedoes and, you know, bring them back so they're not wasting anything. I'm assuming so they're not wasting. He said that a submerged object rose out of the depths and as soon as it appeared, it vanished. So he was unable to give any info on the actual size of it. Now, hearing this, because I'm a massive skeptic, my immediate thought was, well, if he was collecting torpedoes, he probably didn't have the security clearance of the guys doing the testing. Um, Simply because, you know, if you're just the guy who's going to collect the gear after they do the testing, it's 
The entire base, he even goes on to say, is it's need to know. So it could have been an operation. They could have been testing something. They could have been driving by in a secret tech machine. But because he didn't have the clearance, because he wasn't working on that specific project, he wouldn't have known. I kind of, okay, side note again, I'm so sorry. But collecting torpedoes, that sounds a little dangerous to me. Kind of seems like they're just throwing David to the wind. Like, you die, you die. Take one for the team. I feel like that's a lot of military jobs. (laughs) Just pray. Like, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I think that comes with the territory. Yeah, David, any of our torpedoes that don't go off, we want you to go grab them. Okay, bud? And he did as he was told. What a great guy. Good job. Great job. We need to be more like David. No. You're going to go get (laughs) torpedoes? You can't even lift a torpedo. How could David? Uh, Anyways. (laughs) So. Next in the episode, they went diving around the waters where Autek is located with a man named Mike Hornby. Now, Mike talks about how he has seen strange lights around the area of the Autek base. And honestly, it's a military military testing site. Of course, there's strange lights. I'm not saying that it's like far fetched, but we've seen military testing in the past and we've seen people think, oh, my gosh, this plane is a UFO. They don't tell us everything. In fact, they tell us. As much as they, like as little as possible. It's a need-to-know basis. Basically, and I think the general population, they just assume doesn't need to know, which is fair. I'm not going to, I'm curious, but I'm not going to I mean, I can kind of get that because people freak out. It'll be mass. Also, you don't don't, know what word I'm looking for. So picture this. You have like this top-tier technology. It could change the course of warfare. It could change the course of history. Would you want your gets enemies? into the wrong hands? Exactly, you're done for. So I think maybe they're developing technology that's kind of like a little trump card. Who knows? But also, I don't even like the thought of anyone having technology that that's powerful. That's that powerful. That's terrifying. We should look at no one different have all sorts that power. of wonder weapons or insane weapons throughout history for one of these episodes because I think that'd be a really fun one. And we'd that's have Stephen on scary as a guest because it's always oh, it's Steve always fun knows. to see knows so anyway this guy mike hornby told a story about how he couldn't use an electronic compass on one of the sites that he was working on because he kept getting inconsistent readings when he was in the water however the compass worked perfectly on land mike said that there are cables present in the water that come from autec and the way it's framed the episode kind of makes it seem as though that it may be a possible cause for the compass readings to be you know inaccurate and honestly, who's to say, like, whatever is running from those cables, unless we have 100 percent proof that of what they are, they can pretty much account for any weird occurrence. If I'm ever underwater and my compass starts spinning, I'm outie like that. Now that I've we are just gotten into this episode and in both of these scenarios, their compass is spinning. I'm done. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not I feel like that's around. a sign. And in movies, anytime the compass starts spinning, you know, shit's about to go down. So basically. As we go into the rest of this episode, it's going to talk about what they find when they dive and they explore those cables. But before they did that, they actually showed up to Autech. They were going to ask like, hey, can you let us in? Can we see what's in here? Because it is open for public tours, but they were not getting calls back. Nobody really wanted them there. They took a boat kind of like outside Autech, but they could only get like a certain distance close to the base before they had to turn back. Like they really strongly protect. Autech. So you can like 
take our boat up to it, I guess, but you can't go in. How are they even going to offer tours? That's confusing to me. I think it's like when you tour a museum or like one of those, we have a mint museum back home where you have a guided tour. It's basically a guided tour. They're not going to just be like, Come on They're in, make like, yourself at here, home. Here, come into this electrical room and we'll show you the alien specimens. I don't think they'd show us the alien specimens. They'd probably just show us the control room. <laughs> the show I don't room. think we'd even get to see the control room. <laughs> Hello everyone, it's here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. So anyway, they decided to dive and track the cables to see what they could possibly be which is honestly ballsy and good for them i mean if i were a diver of any sort i wouldn't go diving there but i'm happy they did so upon inspecting these cables they found that the cables literally disappeared into the abyss like it <laughs> drops off the like continental shelf it just drops off into the depths of the ocean and there was no way for them to explore further unless they had like a submarine and then even then depending on how deep down that goes they how they can't really get down there. How heavy are these cables? I wonder if it could be connected they to were something. Actually, and them up. not very thick. Also, maybe pulling them up is illegal. I, I'm assuming it would be illegal. But I was so disappointed when it dropped off because it made it seem like they were gonna figure out what they were. They were gonna figure out where they like were going, and then boom, darkness gone. So what they were able to tell is that the cables were too small to be an electrical cable. So it's more along the lines of some sort of communication cable if they had to guess. And I'm such a skeptic, but when they said a communication, cap- communication cable going into the abyss of the ocean, I had a lot of questions because um, were they communicating with down there? Maybe they have a specialized underwater base. Maybe it's just, you know, Navy people down there. So much confusion. I don't know. So at the halfway point of the episode, it began to imply that Autac is actually the U.S. government working on and with alien technology. Boom. But the man that they brought in to talk about it, essentially all he said was he couldn't give any sources because then he will disappear. He was like, if I tell you anything, this would be the last time anyone hears from me. I and believe like, him. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but he basically it's a trust me, bro, you know? Which isn't really a Trust good me, bro. This Autec, great. <laughs> <laughs> and so he claimed that Autec was only built after the Eisenhower administration had a meeting with extraterrestrials. I love a good conspiracy, but you can't just say things like that and then don't give any proof. Like, please, if this is true, just wink twice. <laughs> but he didn't even do that. Love that. I, I feel like I believe him. I mean, again, it's up to people to look into it and choose what they want to believe. I'm just going to present the facts. But to me, what it was giving is like when someone would ask if you have a boyfriend, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a boyfriend. He just he goes to another school. You haven't met him. You don't know of him. He's in college. Yeah, definitely. It was that energy. So I don't know. Again, this is all just info presented. 
I'm not going to tell people which way to think. I feel like he's playing it safe. So this alien expert goes on to claim that Autak is a portal to another galaxy and that it was built on top of Atlantis. Yeah, I don't believe that. Yeah. He's I losing mean, me there. I know. That's the thing. I was like, bro, what? He had me in the first half, but no, I don't believe that. So again, do this info what you will. Next on the episode, they brought on Bruce Gurnan. And I'm just going to preface this story by saying he was the only person with a little bit of proof. So I, even I was like, oh, my gosh. OK, I'm listening. I'm fully invested. So buckle up. Let's go. Bruce Gurnan was a pilot who claims that he has traveled through time. He has a book called The Fog that I really want to read, but I have so many books to read right now that I wasn't able to do that for this episode. But essentially, he said, while out flying, he thought he saw what was a lenticular cloud. Basically, lenticular clouds are stationary lens-shaped clouds that form at high altitudes, and in certain conditions, they look a lot like flying saucers. He goes on to say that he thought this, this cloud looked normal. So he just decided, I'm going to fly right over it. But he said as he was climbing, the cloud started to spread out at an amazing rate. So like it just started expanding. And it surrounded him on either side. At 11,500 feet, he broke free. But in front of him, the cloud was still there. And it was forming a tunnel that he says was full of electricity. He said as he was flying through the tunnel, there were flashes of light that indicated the presence of electricity. And once he was able to make it out of the tunnel, all of his instruments were malfunctioning. And as soon as he was out, the tunnel disappeared behind him. He also said that he knows he time traveled because he flew that same path dozens of times before. But this time he arrived back 30 minutes early and he had an extra 10 gallons of fuel. What? And guys, I'm a skeptic, as I said multiple times before. But this story is the only one where I was like, damn, maybe he has a point. Because they did the math and he flew 250 miles in 47 minutes. In order to do that, he would have had to be traveling 319 miles per hour, which is impossible because his plane could only max out at 224 miles per hour. I believe him. He's got me. I'm Essentially, sold. when I heard that story, I was like, oh, my goodness. And then they proceeded to go visit a physicist who does a lot of string theory, um, relativistic quantum mechanics type deal, where if you know of... Um, Einstein's theory of relativity, it kind of like borders on that and string theory. And he tried to explain time travel to them. But whatever they included in the episode was really vague. Essentially, they were talking about essentially like a tunnel. So you basically put two cones on top of each other. And if he was in the right place at the right time, he theoretically could travel through time, which makes sense using the theories. But again, we don't know if that's what happened. There's no way for us to know. I could kind of see that. Um, earlier today, we were talking about aliens being four-dimensional. And I had to have one of our friends, who will be featured on the podcast at some point. Her name with is time Mystery. Travel. Yeah. Her name is Mystery. She'll also be doing Flat Earth with us, which is going to be so much fun. But she had to explain to me, um, we were discussing like 11 dimensions. But we were talking about fourth dimensions and how that includes time travel. So, like, you know, humans are three-dimensional. Um, in theory, aliens could be four-dimensional and be able to travel through space and time. Exactly. And this friend is, she has a master's degree in physics. She's really, really, really smart. I'm excited for you all to get to hear her input on a lot of things. So you won't just hear us 
telling you of the theories <laughs> and of the physicist, you will hear the physicist tell you about <laughs> the theory. I'm excited for that. Anyway, the rest of the episode went to two researchers that were looking for Atlantis, and they found stone structures underwater that were carbon dated to being 6,000 years old. The researchers believed that it was a harbor, but one of the researchers of the show says that he believes it had to be aliens due to the fact that something like this couldn't be built 6,000 years ago, and he tries to connect it back to Autep. Luckily, other hosts of the show pointed out that there was no proof to go off of that Autec was working with aliens other than some eyewitness testimony of strange lights and strange happenings. And hear me out, I want to believe that we are working with aliens more than the average person. However, I also know the importance of having evidence, and so far nothing here is really solid. It's mostly a lot of hearsay and speculation, and it draws a lot of connections to Area 51. So it's a military testing base, and I think that would make it more likely to have strange happenings. However, I really don't know if aliens would decide, hey, let's pull up next to the military testing base. I fully believe it has strange happenings going on. Do I necessarily think they're alien? Uh, I don't know. Especially when there's other places in the world where there are weird lights and there's no military bases. I think, theoretically, if I were to think there's alien activity or an alien base, it would be somewhere where we aren't already deep underwater running cables. (laughs) And I kind of think, even as far as that goes, maybe the strange happenings aren't from aliens, but they're from this quote-unquote Autech military base. Maybe they're making something down there, and that's the strange happening. I'm picturing like Stranger Things vibe, where they're shooting shit into a wall and then opening a portal but not like aliens i'm picturing them creating it not it existing they have a really because people keep talking about the really large ship that messes with all of their radar and it messes with their compasses theoretically it could be an experimental ship or something really vague that we just have no knowledge of an experiment going wrong and then they can't get it back under control oh i didn't say that (laughs) but i love your enthusiasm and imagination (laughs) anyway in another history channel episode they start out by saying that ufos have been sighted coming out of the ocean near the solomon islands for years so no this is not the only obviously it is not the only history channel show or episode that has gone over aliens basically These weird UFO sightings come out of the ocean in an area where warships sank in World War II and they vanish into a mountain lake on the island. Ghost ship. Maybe. (laughs) I mean, what if, what, not to get into ghosts, but maybe it's not even aliens, you guys. We're so far off, it's not even aliens, it's ghosts (laughs) this whole time. They say that people see strange lights in the ocean and then those lights are flying overhead and they crash into the ocean like a plane. People have claimed to see flying sources flying over the island, over the mountains on the island, and in the ocean. These accounts are given by people who are watching from the beach or by fishermen who are on the water. Fishermen have said that the objects come close enough for them to feel the heat coming off of them as they pass. There are also claims of numerous people disappearing after coming into contact with UFOs and USOs. Also, fun tidbit about the Solomon Islands. This is the place that is home to the giants of Guadalcanal, which, don't worry, will be an upcoming episode. I can't wait for that one. The episode goes on to talk about the possibility of odd sightings being related to the giants of the island. 
And that's kind of where I stopped because they pivoted from aliens to giants. And I don't want to spoil anything for the giants, but they tried to tie both the giants and the aliens into one package, which you can't do that. I know. I'm sorry, but you can't. So maybe the aliens are giant. No. I tried. <laughs> no, I'm going to shut it down. So again, if you believe in underwater alien bases, this is fully up to you. I think a possible explanation might lie in the fact that many countries are testing out different types of technology. Depending on the locations of the sightings, these countries may be trying to keep their latest military development under wraps. And the only reason I say this is because it has happened before with the SR-17 Blackbird. This plane was made by the U.S. to outrun nukes, but they didn't want anyone to know that it existed. So when all the sightings of it started to come out, people were convinced that it was an alien vessel until years later when it was confirmed as military testing of a new plane. They just didn't really want people to know that they had this technology because then maybe their enemies or the people that they don't want to know about it would be able to start developing this technology or try to steal it from us. So they keep these things under wraps and then we see weird stuff that with no explanation. And obviously when we have no explanation for something, we go aliens, which I do that too. I'm not judging. But Well, I fully believe in aliens, but now, now that they're coming out saying aliens are real, it kind of makes me want to be like, no, they're not. What are you doing? <laughs> I don't just... like it. They're so secretive. Why now? Why are you going to come out and tell me this now? Well, the guy coming out isn't really the government. He's just a whistleblower. So he could honestly just be some dude who's like, listen up, hear me out. You know, again, until they literally go, we have aliens. I'm going to be like, and even when they say it, I'm going to be like, I'm not going to believe Why are you telling me now? You know, I don't believe a word they say. So in my search for USOs and sightings, I stumbled upon an unlikely source, but it isn't really what you think it is because we've been talking about technology aliens. We've been talking about futuristic type aliens. We've been talking about alien bases. We've been talking about the U.S. government potentially hiding an alien base. But it's more so listed off as a bunch of past events in which the U.S. Navy has run into objects in the ocean that put a metaphorical wrench in their operation. This source is the U.S. Naval Institute itself, which has published an article discussing the fact that USOs, not UFOs, are the greatest threat to the Navy. But these USOs aren't what you think. And these are the articles that I will refer to the most, as many articles on this matter came from conspiracy theory blogs. And that's something we'll have to avoid, you know, just because we don't want to fan the flames. Right. However, what was released goes over different things that have affected naval operations in the past and what they turned out to be. Now, these date further back to more of like sea monster times where they didn't have most of the ocean. Ex- well, not most of the ocean, as much of the ocean explored as we have now. As we really earlier, have much explored now, I don't think. No, but we see like the creatures and organisms that are we're seeing more of them exactly those that are within range we we know them now because we're there they're there we're there we're like hey girl (laughs) (laughs) so as we said earlier there are so many unknown animals and items in the ocean new discoveries of the humpback anglerfish the ninja lantern shark and the ninja lantern shark show that the ocean is full of the terrifying and unknown and if you look up either of those things they're fucking terrifying i just want you to know that and that's a lot of what people found early on in ocean exploration. Could you imagine the megalodon? 
I would like to not imagine the Megalodon. <laughs> like I said, my nightmares, that's one of the things that come up and swallow me whole. Have you seen the Meg? No. Okay. In the Meg, one of their like scenes and one of their promo- promotional shots is a little speck of a human and then other speck. They're so far up of people in the ocean and then covering miles of ocean is a giant megalodon coming up to just chomp and if no, you are that's one of my biggest fears if you're terrified of the ocean girl no i mean i girl. love the ocean i uh let's see deep ocean. i've went down i've only went down like 90 feet deep um and i was scuba diving and i went through a plane crash which was super cool to go through a sunken airplane but see, like that doesn't spook me. But I always catch myself looking off in the distance and one part of me doesn't want to see anything. But then one part of me is like, what would you do if you just seen like a blob off in the distance that you knew was huge and it was watching you? I don't know. It's like you want to see it, but obviously you don't want to see it. I just you couldn't my swim fate. away, you would die. Yeah. But the Meg is essential. Watch the movie. It's so good. Every single time I'm in the ocean. Because I like to go really, really deep. I'm like, the Meg's out here. (laughs) I just accept my fate, honestly, because what are you going to do, run? Or I picture um, a huge whale coming up and then just smacking down and it smacks down on me. Look at YouTube videos. That happens more often than you think. I've I've watched a few compilations. (sighs) I love whales, though. I mean, I'd I'd be happy to go like that. And the little tail flappies just that's just a good way to go i think when johan rawl received the letter on christmas day 1776 he put it away to read later maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside but what it actually was was a warning delivered to the hessian colonel letting him know that general george washington was crossing the delaware and would soon attack his forces The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, imagine it. There's so many other ways to go that aren't as exciting or fun, and it doesn't involve a whale. If you had to pick. If I had to pick, it would not be crushed by a whale. Fine. Fine. (laughs) To each their own, though. Okay, so back to the uh, Naval Academy, Naval Institute's list of USOs. One case was in 1978, and this is when the USS Stein detected a strange increase in sonar noise that was disrupting their operations. When they investigated further, they found that the ship's sonar dome had claw marks. Ah! If this was a time before quote-unquote scientific explanation, people might have honestly thought that some sort of sea monster had caused the destruction, and that's honestly how I believe a lot of sea monster lore started. The actual explanation is that a giant squid attacked the destroyer, and the claw marks were from the claws found in the suction cups of the tentacles of the giant squid. Could you... Which is a sea monster at that point in time. They are not wrong. They were attacked by a giant sea monster. 
Yeah. If something has claws in their suction cups, it's a sea monster. And I just picture being in a submarine and then looking out the window and only seeing a massive eyeball when I think of giant squids. I don't know if that's the real thing or not, if they're really that big. Oh, they're pretty big. A lot of these animals, like if I'll put links, but a lot of these articles, like the pictures were terrifying. You think a giant squid could eat a submarine? I don't think it could eat a submarine. Submersible? No. Take it down like a pirate ship in the Kraken. I don't know. <sighs> just look up how big a giant squid is real quick. And look I'll keep up. going and you just let me know when you have the answer. I'm going to Goog it. The other incident occurred in 1976 when a torpedo boat that was dragging a parachute as an anchor got something caught in the parachute. Whatever they caught was so strong that the ship itself was struggling against it. Unfortunately, this creature swallowed part of the parachute and suffocated. So when the crew pulled it aboard, it was 15 feet long and weighed 750 pounds. Turns out they had caught the first ever seen megamouth shark. And it's so rare that since this happened in 1976, there have only been 10 sightings of it since, at least at the point of this article being written. So we're all starting to see exactly why the ocean is terrifying, right? And we should absolutely leave it the heck alone. Like, I would go for a leisurely scuba dive, but I'm not oh, going down it. there. I think it is so cool. All right, so I Googled it, and um, they can be 43 feet long. What? Holy shit. Yeah, I Googled. See. Giant squid size, about 43 feet. The maximum total length of examined specimens is roughly 13 meters, about 43 feet, with a mantle length, that is the length of the mantle and head only, of more than 2.25 meters, seven and a half feet. Also, it could potentially sink a ship, a small ship, but the thing is, is that you're not going to see them at the surface ever because they live way down in the ocean. So could it? Yes. Would it? Probably not. I love that. I, I hate that. I don't know how I feel about that. 43 feet. <laughs> now a feet. submarine. Hey. How big is the average submarine? All right, that's worth a Google <laughs> too. <laughs> okay, so here's my next case. This next one is from 1955 when Commander Vining A. Sherman, not that Sherman, wrote about an occurrence on the bridge of the USS Hale where he was called to the bridge to look at something that the ship had rammed. It was a monster of, quote, gigantic size, and it had been split in two. He says that it appeared to be an over 50-foot-long shark, but it had features that were very different from any shark he had ever seen. Once docked, it turned out that this massive creature was, in fact, a whale shark. But at that time, sightings of whale sharks were very, very rare. So... Those are things that the Navy has seen, and these are the ones that they have released. As you can see, they're rather tame, as I'm sure if they did have knowledge or encounters with alien bases, they won't just release it in an article. But still, it was interesting to get that view of what historically USOs were and how historically these USOs have impacted the Navy. All right, quick add-in. Um, a submarine size varies depending on type of vessel. But it can be as long as 170 meters and as wide as 12.5 meters, which helps me none because I can't convert meters to feet off the top of my head. <laughs> but I don't I don't know, because you said that other thing was 30 meters. Yeah. So maybe it won't shrink it, but it could cause some damage, I'm assuming. 
170 meters is 557. That does yeah. not sound right to me. Is that right? I don't know. I know the length of meters, submarine? but I don't know. I know what meters would That'd be. be a fucking huge But I can't submarine. convert them mentally. I don't think I don't think that's right. I don't know. Don't quote me on that one. Okay, so since the examples that the Navy offers were not fun at all, I took it upon myself to find a few slightly more exciting, unidentified submerged objects. First up, we have the Baltic Sea Anomaly. If you haven't heard of this, it's a feature of an indistinct sonar image taken by Peter Lindbergh and Dennis Aberg and their Swedish Ocean X diving team. This anomaly was found in 2011, and it was a 60-meter-wide unique entity with a large disc that is double the size of a football field. Um, yeah, it's, it was massive. And it's found in the Gulf of Botnia, Bosnia in the Baltic Sea, which, if you look at the images, I don't know how trustworthy they are because i looked up a lot of underwater submerged objects and a lot of the images were doctored so when you look this up just keep that in mind but it does look vaguely like some sort of flying saucer or what we would imagine it to be basically it is referred to as the baltic sea mystery or the baltic sea mystery object it looks like a mushroom rising three to four meters or 10 to 13 feet from the seabed the huge mushroom-like top of the object also has cracks filled with an unidentified black material. Many have called it the giant stone portal to the other world. Or, so it's solid. Yeah. Or right. underwater Stonehenge or a str like strange stone circle formations made by some past civilization that sank. Basically, there are a lot of weird theories as to what this is. And if you look at it, you'll see why. Now, we call it a mystery, and it's not due to its size or its shape, but it literally is just because scientists are not able to find a valid reason for it to be in this location at the bottom of the sea. Because of its size and, it is, and its location, it's referred to as being a UFO, because obviously anything that we can't immediately classify should always be chalked up to aliens. We learned that, guys. We've watched the History Channel. In addition to its strange location, the explorers claimed that when close to the anomaly, they had a lot of issues using their electrical equipment, sonar instruments, and satellite phones <laughs> within 200 meters of the object. That's always the case. It, it really is. And I, I mean, that makes it a little bit more eerie because what? Yeah, and all of it sounds the same as far as electrical things fucking up. So the key running theories for why this anomaly exists in this location are that it was the base of a U-boat or a Nazi ship that sank during the Cold War, or it is a glacier or glacial deposit that dates back to the Ice Age and is now visible due to thawing. These are hypotheses that were formed, that there are hypotheses that it was formed due to volcanic activity on the seabed, or that it is an asteroid that fell to the seafloor thousands of years ago. All right, that's pretty cool. None of the theories, however, can explain why electronic <laughs> equipment seems to act up. So far, research has been conducted by the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution and the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute. Also, there are researchers from Arizona State University that have looked at it. Another interesting submerged mystery are the Cuban underwater formations. And guys, when I was looking at this, I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, underwater pyramids. But then you'll see how it turns out. <laughs> These formations were discovered in 2001 when Pauline Zulitsky and her husband were working on a survey mission off the tip of Guanan Hakabais Peninsula off the coast of Cuba. I might have butchered that, but if I did, 
my deepest apologies. I it think is it sounds big. It word. Sounds good. Thank you. So, a Washington Post article from 2002 describes a video of the dis- the discovery, saying it showed massive stones in oddly symmetrical square and pyramid shapes in the deep sea darkness. It showed smooth white stones laid out in a geometric pattern. And it spans eight square miles of a deep ocean plain off Cuba's western tip. Now, when you look at this formation on the Internet, the images that pop up are not the actual images of what was found in 2001. The original sonar images are so blurry. And I'll put these up on Instagram so everyone can see. But essentially, the photos circulating on the Web have been doctored. And the original photos just show blobs that could essentially be anything. Oh, I'm looking at the doctored photos and they look super cool. I They got me for a minute. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. They also look edited though. And then when you look up the actual photos, it's blobs. Like they could be anything. They could be a pile of dirt. It's not even showing me the actual photos right now. Yeah. Again, the prevalence of conspiracies tend to take up because what are people going to talk about more? The doctored photos or the actual photos? And that's how Google compiles based on hits. So the fact that this story is from 2001, though, and no one has done a follow up or even double check just unfortunately goes to show that it was probably looked into after the initial buzz because governments everywhere were all vowing to investigate to see if we can get to the bottom of the mystery. But I'm guessing it was solved because they more than likely found out that it was just natural formations. And that's why we have nothing else on it. And this happens time and time again. We have to remember that we don't understand the ocean. It's so dangerous and expansive, and most of it is unexplored. And we have no idea of everything that occurs at those depths, so there very, very well might be more interesting formations that will be discovered in the near future as we push further and further into the depths. I feel like we're not meant to understand it. There's some things that can't be explained by science. Sorry, guys. Also, it's really interesting. Have you seen like all of those things that are like NASA stopped exploring the ocean because it's way too dangerous. So they went to space instead. Yeah. Yeah. I looked that up because <laughs> I was going to quote it in here and I was like, that just doesn't sound you like don't NASA. You sound that happy. <laughs> it's fake. Aww. They also do ocean research. I think somebody just was like, they're not doing enough. So we're just going to say they don't do it. I don't often see stories about NASA in the ocean. So apparently they do. I looked it up and they have like a lot of different things that they work on and explore. But You know, again, you have to go out of your way to find it. Exactly. So my final story that I want to talk about was one that everyone thought was 100 percent a lost city. Like even the Greek government thought they thought it was. Yeah. Just cut that. They thought it was James. Sorry, (laughs) my voice is getting bad. Tourists swimming off the coast of the Greek island of Zakynathos thought that they had found the ruins of a sunken city when they discovered circular columns and paved floors, which led everyone to believe that it was an ancient city port that ended up underwater. Upon investigation, however, it was found that there were no other signs of life, no pottery, no day-to-day wares, nothing to indicate the existence of a city. This led professors from the University of Athens Department of Geology to look into the mineral content and the texture of the underwater formation. And what they found super disappointing and it was that the structures were discovered the structures that were discovered turned out to be natural geological phenomena all right explain that to me okay so the disc and donut structures that looked amazingly smooth like man-made structures were actually made from hydrocarbon seeps which are areas where natural gas occur underwater 
And there are many, many, many cases of this happening worldwide. However, this is one of the few rare occasions. And there are many, many cases of this happening worldwide. However, this was one of the few rare occasions where it happened in such a shallow setting, since most of these type of discoveries happen in deep water. And so it was the first time the average person just got to say, hey, whoa, what is that? If you look this up, and again, we'll have pictures of this for our Instagram, it's going to, they look like pillars, basically. So smooth and beautiful. I almost think that that's cooler than if people would have created it. Oh, yeah. No, it was super cool. And it's like, it basically happens when the stuff is like bubbling out and seeping out and it just comes up and it looks so beautifully carved. Like, just look into it and we will post this on Instagram. It had me fooled. I was like, there's no way. So basically, guys, remember what I was saying earlier? The ocean has amazing secrets. It has amazing occurrences that can shape and change the floor. In addition, it has many, many creatures that we haven't even discovered yet due to our limitations for ocean exploration. With the amount of untouched territory in deep water, there very well could be underwater alien bases or underwater alien exploration occurring. I mean, they might have the tech that we don't. So maybe they were like, let's just go down. We're going to mine. Maybe they're mining our resources. Who knows? But currently, we just don't have the proof of any alien activities in our ocean. Even the episode of UFO Hunters couldn't come up with solid proof. And they really did everything that they could to get it. Like they were, they basically had a theory and they were like, we're going to prove this. They weren't trying to disprove it. They were like, no, 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 we're going to find aliens, man. So that attack base, honestly, is just a military testing site. And we all know that the military doesn't tell us its secrets. Like maybe they do have aliens, but they're not going to tell us. They could us. have a three-headed whale. We don't know. I mean... You know how we have conjoined twins? <laughs> they could Stop. have a three-headed whale. I'm just saying. I mean, the, they could be creating, I, I don't know. I feel like they're putting stuff together that shouldn't be put together over Potentially. there. Dun-dun-dun. But if they told us about every weapon that they developed, it would defeat the purpose of developing secret weapons. But whatever is out there and whatever we find out about deep sea ocean bases in the future, you can guarantee that we will be one of the first ones to talk about it because Brenna will have to tell me 50 times. I told you so. (laughs) I feel it in my bones. All right, Gabby. So are there aliens underwater? What do you think? We have no proof of it. What's your opinion? On aliens underwater? I think there might be aliens above water. Like just vibing. I'm going to go ahead and go as far as to say I don't think there are aliens underwater. Do I think there's some weird shit going on? Yes. Do I think they are aliens? Also, you have to remember when the Titanic was lost, you know, it took us so many years to find it. And then they found it by accident. Like, I don't know where you guys thought the Titanic was located, but I didn't even know it was right off the coast of Canada until, you know, the Titan sank. No, I had no idea. I had no idea That's where it first. was. I imagined it was in Europe somewhere, like in the middle of the... Not, I just, I didn't think it was where it is, okay? <laughs> I don't know where I thought it was. Why? I don't even have a place in my brain right now that's like, oh, that's where it was. Nope. Now the iceberg- I never even thought about it. The iceberg makes sense now that I know where it is. I'm like, damn. Shit, I might have thought it was in Iceland. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I kid. Basically, the ocean is massive. Um, I, 
How many explorers have disappeared over the ocean, like trying to make transatlantic flights? We learned Amelia. When we covered the um, Amundsen on History of Everything a few weeks ago with the Arctic exploration, it basically ended with him like flying off. He, the last time anyone saw him, he was passing by Ireland and then boom, gone. That's so scary. And that happens a lot with pilots. That's terrifying. I seen a TikTok the other day, which is so very, 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 very sad. But a girl's dad was a pilot and then just went off course where he was supposed to go. Is The whole situation is very, very fishy. But he's just, boom, gone. And all they had was this blurry photo of the plane going into the ocean. I don't know. But basically, when these planes crash, it's the ocean. You know, it's really hard to find even when people yeah, go out searching. Yeah, they've seen where he went down and they have nothing to show for it because it's the ocean. N- nothing. They couldn't find anything. And then maybe years from now, if it were, because the thing is, these things break down over time. Like we know the Titanic is disappearing and it's probably going to be gone because of where it is and the water damage and erosion and, you know, being underwater is harsh. So if someone were to find a piece of it, they probably won't be able to know what it was. To and they identify can go, specifically what it even was. And they might go, hey, guys aliens and we'll be like yes aliens you know so again the ocean is terrifying and flying across it is even more terrifying but if you do believe in underwater alien bases if you do believe in you know aliens just in our oceans make sure to write in and let us know your thoughts and why you think what you think if you've ever had something spooky touch your leg while you're swimming don't ride into us because it was probably a jellyfish and i don't care Wow, you don't care they got stung by a jellyfish? I kid, I have jokes, I kid. Write into us if you have any spooky stories, any alien stories. If your dad's seen one in a field one day, I would love to hear about it. Because we're always looking for new things to cover. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been Gabby and Brenna with the Mystery of Everything podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.